when you bring capacity, and that word capacity, into the spiritual realm, it makes a big difference because now we have unlimited potential to catapult ourselves into other dimensions of living because God is greater than a, a plan or a strategy. Uh, he made you in His sight. He made you perfect in the image of, of God. And uh, we are supposed to try to live out the image of God in our life through the fruit of the Spirit, the attributes and principles that the Bible teaches us, the attributes of God. As we, as we thumb through the pages of the Bible, we learn about the person of God, the principles of God, how to live out all of this stuff in order that we might, in our little bit of time on this earth, in the scheme of eternity, in our little bit of time on this earth, can live out the hopes, dreams, and the purpose that we were made for. Um, that sounds so easy for preachers to say and church folks to talk about, but boy, oh boy, the devil is real, life is hard, and it gets hard sometimes to keep the faith. Amen? It gets hard sometimes to, um, <laughs> just a random thought of, you know, being quiet sometimes. It's spiritual, right? Sometimes you just need to be quiet and move along, and sometimes you need to Stand up for what you believe in and all these different types of things. See, the devil is real, life is hard, and all of these things begin to come our way. And the enemy speaks a message that is uh, not truth, of lies. He's the, the creator of unbelief. He's the opposite of faith and understanding. And he tries to overcome our spirits and our mind and our way of thinking. And we have to combat that with the fact that Jesus lives in us. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And he has already overcome for you. He has already gone to the cross. He died a death that you were incapable of dying because His death covered a multitude of sins, the shedding of His blood. The Bible says is the propitiation of our sins. He covered all of sin for all of mankind and then He rose from the dead. Who else besides Jesus through the power of God can conquer the grave? Because of that today, you stand a chance at living out your dreams, and your purpose. And you must focus on this word capacity. Raising the ceiling by which you live in from a spiritual realm in order to be able to do more for God. Anybody want to do more for God? The last decade or two of my life, it has been all about doing more for God. The reason why God called me to be a, a pastor is because I strive to do more for God. And he had that calling on my life. So I began to do things in my life to raise the capacity by which I can operate in from the spiritual realms. And he began to prepare me and teach me. And in many ways, soften my heart to have a pastor's heart, to not have a critical eye. You know, sometimes churches have a critical eye. We'd be the first person to want to cut somebody up and beat them down because we don't feel like they're living right. And, you know, we are not supposed to do that. We are supposed to be soft-hearted, kind, loving. Because Jesus, after all, showed the greatest love of demonstration of love that you could ever show. He laid his life down for you for a friend you remember from our book of hebrew studies it says who are we that god would even call us a friend he's the creator we're the created he's greater than we're less than 
but he still calls us friend. He still marched to the cross because he wants you living out your purpose. My desire for everybody that walks through these doors is, number one, I want them to come to know Jesus, and I want them to grow stronger in that relationship with God. We know that we have failures. You don't have to tell me that you're ugly on the inside. I'm walking through the same doors with you. I'm ugly on the inside. But God has learned, I've learned to allow God to clean me up and make me into who I need to be, who I ought to be. Some of you that grew up in Sunday school, you sang the song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. Here's my favorite line. This is for me right here. How loving and patient he must be. I'm trying his patience every day. He's still working on me. We know that we're messed up. And it is my prayer that everybody that walks through these doors experiences all of who God is and begins to actually realize that although the world would want to define us as messed up, God can straighten us up even when we're jacked up and toe up from the flow up. He can make you new again. Old things are passed away. All things are made new. You say, where did he learn how to talk like that? And why is he wearing them Adidas shoes like that? Uh, you guys know the song. My Adidas. Walk through concert doors and roam all over Coliseum floors. I stepped on stage at Live Aid. All the people gave and the poor got paid. My Adidas. I know y'all know that song from back in the day. I just really love Jesus, and the real me comes out when I get to preaching. I'm not going to be a phony preacher. I'm not trying to duplicate some dude I saw on the Internet. I'm just going to be who God called me to be to the people that He called me to be it to. And He called me to you. I'm thankful and humbled for that. Y'all want me to get started on my notes now, do you? I already kind of started on them. Spiritual capacity. Say, oh, there's the first note. Here's how I want to define it, what God gave me. A little bit of review from last week. A Christ follower's ability and capability to live out dreams and purpose through their gifts, talents, and calling. Spiritual capacity. A Christ follower's ability and capability raising the roof or the ceiling to operate in a greater dimension or capacity. Increasing spiritual capacity, I have learned through my walk with God, it is a never-ending process that has never-ending reward. Hard. Sometimes life is hard, but the reward is great. Y'all moms and dads know what I'm talking about. Raising them babies is hard. But boy, there's no greater reward than when you see them doing things that make you proud. It's the same way with spiritual capacity. Sometimes living in this world is hard and, and trying to raise the capacity by which we operate in can be very, very hard. But living out your purposes and dreams sure is a great reward. And that's why I'm preaching this sermon series to you because I want you to see it. I want you to get it. What does this look like over time? How do we go from an intimate moment with God, our first moment of worship? You say, well, when is that? That is when you decided to give your heart to God. 
You say, God, come into my heart. You made God the object of your worship. You made him your God, your king, your Lord, your savior. Henceforth, that's why one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not put any other gods before me. You say, well, we wouldn't fall for the golden calf anymore. What type of God you calling? you talking about? Well, I, our, our hearts are idol factories. We have tons of idols in our lives right now. If they were to beam in from like 300 years ago, they would say, well, stadiums are empty now. But let's assume for a while they're full. And the Buckeyes are back, by the way. O-H? Thank you. <laughs> Somehow I got to amen out the Buckeyes. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, they would beam in and be like, what are, who are the 11 people? And why are these 110,000 worshiping the one carrying the brown leather thing trying to what? What is this? Why is it consuming them and why are they so radical? And Now that doesn't mean I'd be the first one to want to, you know, toss my water bottle when the Buckeyes don't do well on the TV. I get it. But if we're not careful, simple little things. You know, the 80-inch idols that hang above our mantles. And the family gathers around to, do, to, 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 to spend too much time on one of these things we call a TV. Does it send you to hell? No. Is it sin? No. Are things on there potentially lead you to sin? Probably so. So you need to be careful of that. So I'm saying all that to say you have to watch when you're trying to raise your spiritual capacity of the things you get involved in because the enemy's sly, you see. The enemy's deceiving. He's a liar and the father of all lies. And if we're not careful, all of a sudden we can find ourselves dabbling in things and spending too much time on things that really don't matter in your plan, purpose, and calling and raising the spiritual capacity in your life. Does that make sense? Y'all don't have to go home and not watch the NFL today. Y'all get that on. I know y'all Bengals fans, they gave you, you know, just a couple more days to, to, to recover from last week. I get it, man. I'm used to that. I grew up in this, man. They need the wambulance, man. Why, why, why? Anyway. See, some of y'all won't even come back. Now, I got an OH and I got a hallelujah at the OH, and now the Bengals fans just pipe down. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. What biblical principles have to come into play in our life in order to raise Spiritual capacity. Last week, at the end of service, towards the end of the message, we started to talk about glorifying God as being a foundational part, a critical element of being a fully devoted follower of Christ in order to increase our capacity to live out plans and purpose. Glorifying God, I believe too often we correlate it to things that um, um, uh, can can deceive us into thinking that the act itself is what it is that is glorifying God. Let me give you an example. We relegate it to bedtime prayers, dinner prayers, going to church on Sunday, worship time, and all of these things like that. And I encourage you to do that. But what we have to be careful of is that it doesn't become, oh, I did my bedtime prayer, I'm cool. Now, when you do a prayer before you go to bed, when you do a prayer when you rise, when you do a prayer in the midday, uh, this is time that you're actually spending with the great one. Try not to fall for the deception of, of, of pattern-oriented, transactional relationship, superficial level relationships with God. He's deep, robust, dynamic, 
everlasting. He, he, he is more than your routines and patterns. He's more than the 24 hours on a clock. He's more than the uh, uh, numbers on a clock and, and things. That he, he's more than what we have put in. He's more than uh, 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 your money and all of these systems. He's bigger than all of the systems, systems we operate in. So if we're going to glorify Him, we got to get beyond all of that stuff about life and connect. We've got to connect. And when we connect, we've got to surrender some things in our life that don't matter. That's the hard part. We want God to bless stuff that's already in our life. What I've learned is a lot of times we put stuff in our life that uh, we had no business putting in our life. So then now when I surrender to God and I grow closer to God, he got to go and fix up all the stuff I messed up in an effort to glorify God. God, if I've got to go back and make a U-turn, show me where I went wrong so I can help live out what it is that you want me to live out. Glorifying God is deeper than routines. When we put God in the realm of our routines, and I'm saying this lightly because it, it, it sounds like I don't want you to have God as a part of your routines, and I do, but I don't want you to make it like, oh, I went to church 52 weeks. Well, whoop de doo Lucifer, Satan, used to live in heaven. It didn't end well for him because he didn't glorify God. Glorifying God beyond all of the stuff is what matters. So therefore, I can't always tell you exactly what it looks like, I can tell you some principles and attributes of what it looks like for me and what I've seen it look like for others. But God made you with a plan and purpose. And how you glorify God. See, because you may have been through some things I haven't been through. So I'm going to glorify God for some stuff that he's allowed for me to, to, to go through, experience, be blessed by. And, and then see, so you have a different relationship. So God is that big and dynamic. He can meet each and every one of us at our needs. And we could glorify God in our own way. And when we begin to glorify God, the ceiling by which we operate in, the capacity, the spiritual capacity, begins to lift. As we glorify God, not, not, not follow another plan, and it lifts and lifts and lifts, and then we step into that dimension, and we find out more about who God is, more what God can do in our life, and then we say, God, now how can I glorify you in this dimension? How can I glorify you at this level in order to get to the next dimension? Remember, I said at the very beginning, we are always becoming. We never arrive. One of these days, the Bible says a trumpet will sound, that this body, this corrupt body will take on incorruption, and that I will take on a, this physical body will take on a glorified body. At that moment, I become an eternal glorified being. But before then... I'm becoming who Christ wants me to be until he calls me home and I become all that he wants me to be and created to be in the heavens. Glorified body. No more troubles. Glorifying God is deep, dynamic. Spiritual discipline is good, but the prayers and the church and the worship and the stuff they should all be a manifestation of something deeper 
within you. When you see me lift my hands, I don't get some great reward in heaven because I lifted my hands. If that was the case, I would say, look, y'all, now, you got to raise your hand in a couple seconds. The reward is coming. God said when you raise your hand at 1010, you get a reward. So here we go. One, two, three. It's not about that. When we see hands lifted up, that is a manifestation of something deeper within us. And those hands lifted up represent glorifying God. So everything that we do should glorify God. And that's hard because we battle the systems of the world and the ways of God. It's very difficult sometimes to do. I'm not downplaying the spiritual routines and disciplines that they don't matter, but they are a manifestation of something that matters more, and that's the glorification of God in your life. Manifestations of a deep, deep relationship and understanding of all of who God is. If we're not careful, we can get caught up into habits that have no meaning. If we're not careful, we live this so-called Christian life that becomes checking a bunch of boxes. We have to remember that it's about becoming and increasing. I put a scripture on the screen for you last week that said John 14, 15. Here's the way you get started on glorifying God. If you love me, keep my commands. He'll say things to you today that he might not say to me. Your weaknesses may not be my weaknesses. So he might give you a different set of commands today as you walk out this door. What are the commands? I, I, I thought the commands were on the rock and the Moses and the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a new covenant now. You have to remember that. And the commands today might be to, um, it could be a lot of stuff. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't send that email you was thinking about sending. Don't say those words you were thinking about saying. Don't dislike someone just because they disagree with you. Love your neighbor as yourself. The second greatest commandment. The Bible says all the law and the prophets hang on those two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's new covenant. That's different than what was precisely on the rock, right? Glorifying God. If you love Him, if you want to glorify Him, keep His commands. Glorifying God can look a number of different ways. It's a life that we choose to live. It's becoming who God made us to be. Knowing where your help comes from. Casting your cares on Him. Devoting your time, talent, and treasure to Him. Praising God in tough times as well as the good times. Glorifying God should be evidenced in many ways in our life as a believer. Not just one way. I want to talk about some of those ways. And remember, we're talking about spiritual capacity. Again, the Christ followers' ability and capability to live out dreams, purpose, through their gifts, talents, and calling. So one way to specifically glorify God that I have learned is by sowing seed into the kingdom of God. 
See, here he goes. He's going to talk about money. Now, I'm going to talk about everything. I'm going to talk about everything. Sowing seed. Sowing and reaping. It's probably one of the most important Christian principles that I live my entire life by. Sowing and reaping. Or you will reap what you sow. You can't walk around spreading hate, being mean, wondering why nobody likes you. You need a mirror to look in for about 12 hours a day and say, maybe I think I got this figured out. I haven't been sowing what I desire to reap. Sowing and reaping. It's not just financial. Glorifying God by sowing into the things of God is the front side of spiritual capacity building. Sowing. You have to sow, you have to tend, you have to harvest. I'm not going to walk around on this hard dirt or this hardwood floor right here and think I'm going to harvest something. There's no seed down there. It's been nothing sown. Sowing. Sowing means to plant seed for growth, especially by scattering. Hmm. I hope you're asking yourself some questions about the seed that you have been spreading, scattering for spiritual growth for you and others in your life. One way we do it as a church is we try to scatter seed on our social media platforms. We don't just click post and move along. We tend to it. We interact with folks. We follow them. We talk to them. We see how they're doing. We pray for them. We tend to it. Sowing seed. For you it may be bringing a cup of coffee to somebody at your work that has no clue in the world that you're even thinking about them. Sowing seed. Goodness, kindness, love, forgiveness. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. It's nine of them. Read them this week. Sowing seed. It also means to set something in motion. I thought about our church. I'd venture to say that nine years ago at Foundation, we set some things in motion. Not ready to harvest yet. Not even ready to tend to the seed yet. Just scattered some seed on the ground. We invited four adults to our house to talk about a vision of a church plant that turned into this. So what did we do after the four adults? Hey man, I think we'll spread some more seed. I preached a sermon a couple years ago that said, you have to get used to your Christian walk being the majority of seed spreading than harvest reaping. You think you're ready to reap, but you don't know that the harvest is the hardest part of it all, actually. Spreading seed should be easy because you're expressing the love of God in your life and the person of who God is. You ought to be spreading seed. Harvest is hard. So you must keep sowing seed. The biblical connection that I want to make to you about sowing seed comes from the book of Corinthians. The second book, chapter 9, verse number 6 through 8. I want to read it to you. I like how this verse starts out. It says, remember this. Forget all the rest of the stuff for a second. When you don't want to sow, when you're trying to reap and there ain't no seed and you haven't been tending, you don't Remember this. That means that there's going to be times in life that you forget about this. And you don't think about this. And you just want results with no seed tending, no seed planting. 
Remember this, when you forget, when you're frustrated, when you don't see the results you want to see, when life is dealing you a hand that you didn't anticipate being dealt, remember this. And this will give you some time of reflection on what you have sown and reaped and what you probably should be sowing and reaping. It's, it's almost all of Christian living, man. Sowing and reaping. It's almost all of Christian living. Time, talent, and treasure. What do I sow? How do I use those things? And what does it reap in my life? And how does it raise the spiritual capacity by which I operate in? It's almost all of Christian living once I decide that Jesus is the Lord of my life. That's the most important piece. Invite him into my heart. He's the Lord of Lord, King of Kings. My all in all, now I've got to do stuff with my life. If he is who I said he is and I have the relationship that I say I have with him. So when you forget about it all, the Apostle Paul says, hold on. Hold on. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse number 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Ooh. So now it's a heart matter. Don't ask me. This is a matter of your own heart. Remember this. Paul says, you don't sow a lot, you won't get a lot. You sow a lot, you get a lot. Well, what's that look like, Pastor? You have, give what you have decided in your heart. I can't see your heart. I can see your life, which a lot of times is the manifestation of what exists in your heart. I get that. But remember this. Sow great, reap great. Sow a little, get a little. How much do we sow? Sow what's in your heart. You don't want to sow no love? Just walk out of here like, boy, that love thing, I ain't sowing no love today. Now, what does that sound like? I ain't forgiving nobody. He done made me mad. What does that sound like? Boy, I know the pastor was preaching about the fruit of the Spirit, but this ain't no fruit of the Spirit day. The other 364 are going to be fruit of the Spirit today. Today is my day, Jack. Right? Sow so what you got to sow. But when you sow that, you're going to get that back. You have a responsibility in kingdom living. So sow what's in your heart. We'll see it on the outside. Say that's judgmental. No, it's not. Your life is manifesting what is in your heart because I see what you reap. You must be sowing things that are causing you to reap what you're getting. Say, so how does this relate to spiritual capacity? This is almost all Christian living right here. Give what's in your heart. Not reluctantly. In other words, if you don't mean it, don't say it. Don't do it. Don't give it. God don't want to have to pry out all that who you think he is and the glorification of his and say, would you please forgive them? That's not glorifying God. Don't give it reluctantly. He doesn't need you to reluctantly give. He is all that who he's ever going to be, beginning and end, before and after, before you was here, when you go, when you're not going to be on earth. He is, he's already everything he's going to be. Don't give it reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, what was I thinking when I did that? I should have told him off. I don't even know who I'm preaching to today, but it's somebody. I don't know. 
God loves a cheerful giver. Y'all say, that's what I'm talking about, cheerful giver. I knew I should have told them off. We're not talking about that. I'm only on verse 7. Boy, this, is pre- this, this word is preaching today. All I got is the verse. I don't have any notes of all the other stuff. This is called the anointing of God. Okay. God is able to bless you abundantly. My goodness. Don't you want a part of that? Okay, so let's go back. Go back on the other verse. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Not reluctantly. Not under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, I got it. And God is able to bless you abundantly. More than enough. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. You know what pressed down, shaken together, running over means? I know y'all don't rake leaves, y'all young kids no more. You got leaf blowers and everything else do all the work for you. Suck them up in the bag and all that. Back in the day, we used to be like, Sir, you need your rake sleeve? Your leaves raked? You need, you, you need your leaves raked? I remember doing a job over with Russ back in the day, Sharon Road. Come on, man. We raking these leaves. We got, we got some leaves to rake. Man, this yard was as big as a skating rink. I'm like, how much is we making for this job, man? I think I worked for like $20 for the whole yard. We split 40 or something probably. Bless you abundantly. Shake down. I thought about the leaves. When you press the leaves in the bag and you shake them to get them down in there, it makes it seem like there's less leaves. No, you just made room for more. So when the Bible says press down, shaking together and running over, it's so jam-packed full with abundant blessing that you, it, it's got more than you can even contain. It's been shaken to the bottom, right? Pressed down, jumped on it, got it down to the bottom, kept filling it up until it ran over. Abundant blessing. Now remember, go back to the other verse. It's all correlated to this. Go back to the verse before. Talking about sowing and reaping. Sparingly, willingly, do the next one. Now it's talking about don't sow and give if you don't mean it. Next verse. Now, if you do it, you will get abundant blessing. We raise in spiritual capacity now. Y'all do this right here. There ain't enough room in this church to, 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 to contain the people that God's going to send in here. Because you begin to have influence. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, abundant blessing, sowing and reaping, giving because you cheerfully want to give because God's been so good that you just got to glorify Him. So you say, what is it that I can sow that you will bless me abundantly so that I can reap all that it is that you want in my life? I want that abundant blessing. Give it to me. Abundant blessing. The word is preaching today. I'm going to stay right here on this page. Right here on this page for the media team. Okay. Abundant blessing. So that. He's describing it for us now. Telling me what it looks like in my life. At all times and all things. What? That means it doesn't matter what the world thinks of me. It doesn't matter how much time I think I have or don't have. It doesn't matter what level of education I have. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. It just says 
all things at all times. Mm, my family, my finances, my relationships, my calling, my health, my body, my ministry, my mind, all things, all times, abundant blessing, more than enough. You talk about raising spiritual capacity, man, I challenge you to live like this. I dare you to sow into the kingdom of God with a cheerful heart, with all of your time, talent, and treasure, and watch God move in your life. Here's what I've learned about God. When I started doing this, and I'll tell you right now, I'm like you. I wasn't giving all of me. But when I just started giving a little bit of me, he was giving me things I couldn't even understand. And then I thought, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? If I'm getting all of this, God, let me jump all the way into the river so I can get the rest of what you got for me. Because we like to test the waters, right? Here go a dollar. Here go some change. Maybe not approaching someone and saying, hey, man, it's okay. Be like, I'm going to forgive them, man, but I ain't going to say nothing to them. I'm going to just keep my distance from them. You know, so I don't go off. Because you know, they don't want none of this. I dot eyes. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You will reap what you sow. I love this, man. Having all that you need. All that you need. Man. All things, all times, all that I need, abundant. So what do I got to do to get this? Just sow. When you sow abundantly, you will receive abundantly. All things, all times. All that you need. We have problems with this. We walk around this life and we act like all we need is something else other than Jesus. And we get caught up into the systems of the world. That's easy to do. Well, I tell you what, you can waste a lot of time, money, effort, and energy. You might as well just start sowing and reaping and live the abundant life. You might as well just start living the one that God's got for you. It's a whole lot easier. You will abound in every good work. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 12. Sermon series probably going to end up being four weeks, y'all. I can already tell you. Now, he continues. I love Paul's writings. Called, anointed. He couldn't preach. He tried to preach one time verbally, and dude fell asleep and fell out the window on him. So then he thought, no wonder God's called me to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I might as well just stick to the writing and church planting. Greatest church planter ever in the history of all man, Paul the Apostle. Talking about a martyr. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower 
that's Jesus, that's God, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store. He'll give you more to give. Not only when you sow do you live the abundant life, God is saying, oh, you're going to sow like that? Cool then. Here, I'm going to give you some of this. I was preaching long before I got on this platform here to preach to foundation. I was writing newsletters. I was preaching services here and there. I was doing youth ministry with my brother all over this region. Really all over the half of this country. He was prepping me up for a greater work. I was raising my capacity to do more. He said, oh, you going to do that, Scott Fussnecker? You going to do that? Cool then. I'm going to increase your store with some seeds so you could go sow some more of that because I like what you're doing. See, now it's starting to make sense to some of you. Like, well, no wonder I'm living less than the beneath. I've not been sowing. Sow whatever you got to sow. He will enlarge. Some of y'all ain't even ready for the harvest. I ain't got on that yet. That's down here. I'm, I got four pages today. I'm a halfway down page two. I ain't got on the harvest yet. He will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Hmm. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So now. When we did all of this at foundation. Say well what do you give Pastor Scott? I give my life to this man. I have hurt over this. I have celebrated over this. I have praised, I have worshipped, and I have stressed. I have had it all. I give my life to this. What do you sow? I sow all of me into this. And I've sacrificed things that I could go get. That one might deem as more prestigious. But I'm not here for man's approval. I'm here to live the abundant life as defined by God for me. You don't define abundant living. You don't define that. God defines abundant living. Hallelujah. I feel like shouting. Hallelujah. Somebody stand to your feet and give God some praise. Anybody willing to stand to your feet and give God some praise in the house? Anybody willing to shout hallelujah? If God has ever been good to you, shout yes. Hallelujah. I'm going to live my abundant life. I'm going to go on with my bad self and live the abundant life. I'm going to walk to walk, talk to talk, and I'm going to walk with a limp. That's called pimping. Y'all may be seated for just another second. I'm going to live the abundant life. It's coming to all I've got to do is sow. What? What? 
He loves me so much. All I got to do is sow all of who I am and I get all of that. Huh? He always gets the short end of the relationship. He died and I didn't have to die. He bled and I didn't have to bleed. He's perfect and I'm imperfect. I have nothing to bring to the relationship and He's my all in all. He's the creator. I'm the created. And all He's saying is, look man, just sow. 